This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of The Bullpen with Adam the Bull. Brought to you by my friends at Bet Rivers. My friends. Hello, my friend. Hello, my friends. Is that a good Jim Nance impression? Not really, but we keep it moving. That's what we do on this show. A lot to get to today. Coming up later, I'll do as I do every uh, Friday. We'll get into uh, the NFL picks for week number, what is this? Week number five. Week number five in the National Football League. Give you picks of every game. Also, Andrew Brandt, former Packers executive, uh, and, and, um, of course still writes for SI. We'll talk with Andrew Brandt coming up in a little bit, but we begin with a new manager and a new face for the Cleveland guardians. Who will it be? I'll get to that next. This is the bullpen with Adam, the bull brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're in the bullpen with Adam, the bull. All right. So it became official. The worst-kept secret in all of baseball, Terry Francona, after a decade-plus as manager of the Cleveland Guardians, has re- well, I shouldn't say he's retired. He didn't say he's never going to manage again. And I give it a 50-50 shot that he comes back at some point. But he is leaving the Cleveland Guardians after a great run, got to the World Series in 2016, obviously fell one game short. But overall, it was a great decade-plus of baseball for the Guardians under the leadership of Terry Francona. But now, for the first time in a long time, the Guardians need a new manager. So who should it be? Well, my top choice is a guy who just became a free agent literally this morning. I guess technically last night. Uh, Craig Council is the manager or has been the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers for a long time. I think he's been one of the more underrated managers in baseball. Now, you could argue that again this year, he did not have much success in the playoffs. And that would be fair. Um, but to some degree, the playoffs is a crapshoot, right? More than any other sport. I think often, unless it's a key error, which we've seen, re Buck Showalter and Zach Britton, uh, and, and many, many other examples, you know, you can't, because a team loses, if a team doesn't hit for two days, I don't know how that's the manager's fault necessarily. Most of it's on the players. Craig Council has gotten a lot out of less. He has managed a mid-market team uh, to a lot of success, a franchise that hadn't had that much success in recent years before he took over. He's still young, a lot of energy, smart guy, good use of bullpen, calm demeanor, like Francona generally. Uh, I think Craig Council would be the best choice to be the new manager of the Cleveland Guardians. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. If you read the tea leaves here, his contract is up with Milwaukee. Um, the Mets let go of Buck Showalter. The brew, the uh, the Mets' new GM is David Stearns, who used to be the GM of the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Mets will obviously money is no object. 
So my guess is Craig Council ends up with the Milwaukee, uh, with the New York Mets, leaving the Milwaukee Brewers. So if it's not Craig Council, well, who's the, who's another good choice? Well, I'll give you one, and I'll connect the dots as to why this guy makes sense. My next choice is Will Venable. Will Venable was a journeyman major league player who is not that long out of the game. I would say he retired maybe 10 years ago, give or take. Um, and he, in fact, he was on the, uh, like the manager of the Orioles who has had great success. Uh, he was also, Will Venable, a member of the, the 2016 world champion Cubs, uh, coaching staff. Will Venable is a high re- highly respected, extremely intelligent baseball man. He played baseball at Princeton. For those who don't know, um, Guardians general manager, Mike Chernoff also played baseball at Princeton. And what a shocker, they played at the same time. They were teammates in Princeton. So, teammates in college with the GM, highly respected, highly intelligent, has has been a coach for a decade, uh, maybe not a decade, probably a little less than that, but enough years. He's had some interviews before for managerial jobs, um, and he was a player. All these things help. So Will Venable is my second choice and is the most likely guy, I think, to to end up being the manager of the Guardians. Now, let me give you two more guys before we wrap up this conversation. Well, before I get to that, the reason I'm not mentioning Sandy Alomar, first of all, Sandy Alomar said he didn't want to be interviewed. Um, And there's been some other rumblings of other guys getting interviewed, including a bullpen coach with the Giants I never heard of before. But Sandy Alomar shouldn't need to be interviewed if you want if, if the guardians wanted to hire sandy alomar they know what he's about they, they they don't need to interview him so that i think that was his point i think if the guardians offered sandy alomar the job he would take it i think his point is i don't need to interview and he's right and he's right and you got the marlo hale on the coaching step a lot of these guys mike sarbaugh they've been with frank kona for many years i think it's time for a fresh voice from outside the organization right now so i'm not recommending any of the not that they listen sandy might be a good manager sarball might be a good manager demarlo hale might be a good manager I, I think it's time to kind of move move on to somebody outside of the organization but one guy but the other two guys i'm going to mention are guys who have played for the guardians when they were the indians one guy who played for them in the last decade that's mike napoli mike napoli is not out of the game very long Obviously, when he played here in Cleveland, he was a huge star, had one great year here. The fans loved him. We all remember those party at Napoli shirts. Hugely popular. He's been a coach the last few years. Again, I just mentioned the Cubs for Will Venable. Mike Napoli's been the first base coach of the Cubs for the last, I want to say, two years, maybe three. Uh, Obviously, players love him. Fans love him. Connects with the players. Young enough to get their language, if you will. Uh, I think Napoli would be a good choice, a really good choice. And I'll give you another guy who also played for the for the then Indians, now Guardians, many years ago, uh, who's a little off the radar, and I'm not even sure this guy wants to be a manager in the major leagues, and that's Mark DeRosa. Mark DeRosa spends most of his time as an analyst on MLB Network, where he is very good. He was the manager of the USA team in the World Baseball Classic this past year that, of course, lost in the championship to Team Japan. Uh, very popular with players, even though he's a little older than guys like Napoli and Venable. Not much. He's not that long out of the game. 
uh, knows baseball. Again, another smart guy, played for the organization. So there you go. Those are my four choices. Craig Council, Will Venable, Mike Napoli, Mark DeRosa. Hopefully one of those guys will be the next manager of the Guardians. Uh, when we, We're going to take a break. When I come back, we're going to talk with Andrew Brandt, the former Packer executive. I want to get his thoughts on what's going on when a player and a coach are deciding whether a player is going to play. And Jonathan Taylor, what happens now? He's practicing. Is he just going to play for the Colts? How hard would it be to trade him? We'll get to that more with Andrew Brandt next, right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Get extra value this football season with Bet Rivers Squares. Win up to $10,000 in bonus money. 10000 bucks. Bet $10 in same-game parlays on any game with the Squares icon to earn a square. Andrew Brandt is next. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. All right, welcome back. It's the bullpen with Adam the Bull. And we switch gears from the manager of the Guardians to, well, the NFL. Obviously, that's the big topic. That's what we're talking about most of the time. And we'll start with the Browns here. And we have Andrew Brandt with us, of course, former Packers executive, uh, law professor, writes for SI. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Adam, great to be with you. You mentioned the Browns. Just a yeah. personal story. I have a home. Yeah. At, I have a home in West Virginia, at a place called the Greenbrier, ah. and uh, <laughs> I was there this this summer when the Browns came in. Had a nice dinner with Andrew Barry. Found him very interesting to talk to. Kevin Stefanski. I live around Philadelphia. He's a big Philly guy and knew mm-hmm. everything. And turned out I had taught his brother uh, at, at Wharton in oh, a sports funny. negotiations class. So I didn't even know the connection there. That is really funny. I, well, I, you know, let me talk, let me ask you about Andrew Berry because it's funny, Andrew Berry, there's a new type of executive, right? Yeah. In sports, the, uh, you want analytics executive, some would say nerdy executive. I say nerdy in a good way because I like that personally. Right. Um, but in Cleveland here, you have e- even Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Berry, our baseball executives, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff of the Guardians, they all kind of talk the same way. They're very guarded in what they say. They're, um, they're always very careful. They give you very little information. Uh, but there's, there's a, a way they talk and interact with the media that's very interesting. And it seems like a lot of these you know, Ivy League GMs all talk the same way. Have you, <laughs> have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a way where this sounds very political and diplomatic, which is what they are, uh, to answer questions without giving inside information. And, you know, I worked for 10 years in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, We were obviously a public trust. We're different than most teams. But even our general manager, I used to talk to him about being a little more expressive, Ted Thompson. He just felt there was no need. There was no (laughs) advantage to giving out more information and certainly could t- could possibly be seen as a di- disadvantage. But let sure. me say this let me say this about Andrew and yeah. you mentioned the Guardians people as well. I believe it. I, I think this is a different era in sports. And I don't, you know, people can call it nerds or whatever it is, but we're talking about assets worth two, three, four, five billion dollars. And to entrust the general manager role with, and I hate to be dismissive, but a football guy alone, that's just not right. You know, football guys are great at picking players, 
may be good at scouting players, may be good at uh, understanding how to build a team roster, but do they understand negotiation? Do they understand the cap? Do they understand managing rosters? Do they understand the interface with the NFL, which is paying out $400 million to each team every year just as part of the shared revenue process? Yeah. I just think a business background, a financial background, a negotiations background is more helpful in this day and age than a pure scouting background. I, I agree with you. And I think, to me, I'm convinced, without being a part of a front office, that the most successful teams all marry, if you will, the football or baseball guy right. with the analytics slash you know, money guy. And when they work in tandem, because I think one without the other doesn't work. If you're making every decision based on analytics, you're missing you miss these things you're missing. You gotta know personalities, you gotta know chemistry. These things are important. And if you if you're doing the football guy or the baseball guy with no analytics, you're missing stuff too. I, I think the smart I even Theo Epstein, I was reading uh, um uh, when the Cubs won the World Series, I don't know, I can't remember whose book it was. It might have been Verducci's book about and and Theo Epstein said one of the biggest mistakes he made early in his career was that he ignored all the relationships and it, and it was all about the numbers. And until he kind of put the two together, it never fully worked. And I think that's the that's what the successful teams do. Yeah, and I think you know Andrew was trained under a friend of mine that lives down the street from me, named Howie Roseman. Sure. And Howie is one of those general managers. He does have scouting in his background, but he was trained in finance. He was trained in cap negotiations and contracts and the business side. And we have seen time and time again over the last five years, him take advantage. Let's be honest, take advantage of GMs with football backgrounds That's to right. get great trades, take advantage of agents to get great contracts. And, you know, it's an advantage. It's a competitive edge for the Philly Eagles, and I think for the Browns. I'm, I'm a big believer in Andrew. Uh, speaking of which, let's, let's, uh, before, I want to get back, I want to wrap it up with the Browns in a second because I want to get to Deshaun Watson for a minute, what yeah. happened this past weekend. But the Colts seem like a team that's all about gut and football and none about analytics. I, I could be wrong about that. That's the way it seems. And they've, they've clearly botched this Jonathan, or the owner at least, has botched the Jonathan Taylor situation. But he's practicing this week. What do you expect to happen? Like, do you think, as someone who's been part of negotiations, been in front office, can they fix this and just get him playing and that's that? Or do you think ultimately they will trade him before the deadline? Well, we got to talk two parts, one on Taylor specifically, and then we have to address the position. I think it just depends on his attitude. If he's all in right now, sure, keep him. He's a good asset for the team. He's under a good contract. Why trade that? The other part of it is what's the trade availability in terms of picks or players? We heard that they reached out to different teams five weeks ago and didn't really find much or it wouldn't find what they were asking, whether it was Jalen Waddle with the Dolphins or Christian Watson with the Packers. We heard those names, but the teams weren't biting. You know, you know, this has been the discussion all summer, the sure. diaspora of the position. And I, I got to admit, as a business guy, I understand it. I do. I feel for these guys. But the most productive years of running backs are in rookie contracts. And time and time again, we see when on veteran contracts, by age 25, 26 even, 
they're on the downside. And we pay in sports for future performance, not past performance. They're stuck. This position is stuck. They're like the gymnasts of the NFL. Their careers are basically winding down when others are getting going. Yeah. And I've said this many times, they're really hurt by that draft eligibility rule, three years required in college. These guys could be making big money as productive players in age 19, 20, 21, oh, no instead doubt. of starting their, their financial clock at 23, which doesn't help them. It's great for quarterbacks and other, but not for them. I wonder if we'll start, see, start seeing running backs play like one year in college and then sit out. Yeah. And, and, you know, that'd be interesting to see. But I mean, Andrew, st- it was yeah. it was McCaffrey and Fournette started sitting out the bowl game. Yep. I think that's going to extend past that, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Andrew, last thing I wanted to hit on. This past weekend, Deshaun Watson, uh, he was obviously dealing with an ailing shoulder. He wasn't practicing much, but... On Friday, he told Mary Kay Cabot, Cleveland.com, one of the Browns, top, you know, probably yeah. the Browns' top beat reporter. Yeah, I know Mary. He, right, yeah. He, he said, hey, I'm, prob- I'm, I'm going to play. I'm planning on playing. It, it seemed like everybody expected him to play, and then Sunday he couldn't go. When you're as part of that mix, Robert, Andrew Berry was down on the field with Deshaun Watson before the game. So was Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski, we talked earlier about like he's so buttoned up. He never says he never screws anything up at a press conference. But I thought he did this week for the first time because on Monday he said that Deshaun Watson was cleared to play and that he couldn't go. And in a way that could I obviously he didn't mean that to say, oh, he was he should have played or anything like that. But it you know, it kind of took off here in Cleveland. Like, why yeah. did he say that? It didn't make any sense. So what do you make of that? And as as the GM the coach as part of this process of, Hey, a guy's cleared by the doctors, but he feels like he can't go. What's, what's that process like? Yeah. I mean, I have to look at this as I think Jimmy Johnson said this 30 years ago, it's, it's a democracy in football, but not everyone's treated the same. I mean, if this was a down the line player and he said, I couldn't go after being maybe medically cleared, of course he's going to go. That's not going to be an acceptable answer to management. But you're talking about Deshaun Watson. You're talking about the biggest investment in the history of the sport, certainly in terms of guaranteed money. And there are different rules. And I just think if whatever happened, whether cleared or not cleared, if this player, not other players, if this player is saying I can't go, you accept that. Because we know he barely played last year due to suspension. This is a long-term play for the Browns. I mean – They never looked at it as, let's see what we can get out of 22, 23, 24, uh, 2023, 24. They looked at this. We got five years, fully guaranteed, fully secured. So I understand it. You know, this is a player that they've invested so much. And if he decides sit out a week, they'll deal with it. Andrew, great stuff. I appreciate you taking the time to join me. Okay. Yeah. People can get the newsletter, andrew-brandt.com. I go into this stuff deeper every week. And of course my Instagram, I do reels at Andrew Brandt too, and my Twitter and my column and my podcast. So (laughs) just letting everyone know the channels. There you go. Great insight from Andrew Brandt. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'll go rapid fire around the NFL, making all the picks this week. That's next on the bullpen with Adam, the bull. You're in the bullpen with Adam, the bull. All 
All right, welcome back. It's the bullpen with Adam the Bull. And as I do every Friday, it's time to go around the NFL. We're going rapid fire, picking all the games for week number five. No Browns this week, of course, as they are on a bye. But the uh, the state rival Bengals are in action in Arizona. This is a tough game to pick, man. I thought the Bengals, after beating the Rams in week three, would kind of get on a little bit of roll. But they went backwards, got destroyed by the Titans last week. Now, I've been listening and reading this week about the fact that Joe Burrow apparently feels the best he has in months. There, it's it's hard to believe in the Bengals right now, uh, but I, I, I still think, despite their nice win against the Cowboys, that the Cardinals are a very poor team, and they're going to go downhill from here. I'll buy into the Bengals one more week, and I'll lay the three with Cincinnati. This would not, I wouldn't be one of my top plays, but I pick every game, as you know, so I'll take the Bengals minus three in Arizona. Uh, the other te- the other AFC North teams are playing each other. The Ravens and Steelers will play in Pittsburgh Sunday at one o'clock. The Steelers or the Ravens, excuse me, are a four point favorite in Pittsburgh. That hasn't happened very often, but it's happening now. Kenny Pickett is hurt. I'm not sure if that's good or bad for the Steelers because I, unlike many others, don't think he's very good. Steelers defense is good. The Ravens' defense has been pretty good, but the Ravens' offense is much better than the Steelers' offense. I'll take the Ravens on the road minus the four. First game on Sunday, of course, game in London. Jacksonville again playing in London. Uh, This time they're the road team against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are a a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this one, and the Bills have been killing teams since losing week one to the Jets. But even though this is a neutral site game, even though the Bills are technically the home team, it's really a neutral site game. The Bills have no home field advantage here. Jacksonville's much more used to playing in in London. They've been there a lot longer. They probably, I assume, they stayed there since last week. I guess it's possible they went back, but I just assume they did. I didn't even bother to look because why would you go back? But uh, you never know with football teams. They're weird, I guess. But uh, I'm taking Jacksonville to keep it close. I think this is a field goal game. I think the Bills could certainly win it, but I I look this to to be a very close game. So I'll take the Jags plus the five and a half Sunday morning football. Other 1 o'clock games, Giants at the Dolphins. The Dolphins are an 11-point favorite. Right now, it's hard to pick the Giants to be competitive with anybody. Their offensive line's a disaster. There's chemistry issues. Their defense stinks. The Dolphins had a little setback last week, didn't play as well, but uh, they're not playing the Bills this week. They're playing the Giants. I'll lay the 11 with Miami. I'll take the Saints in New England getting a point. I don't love either team. I think the Saints are better, though. I think they're going to win. It's basically a pick them. Uh, I'll still win it. Uh, we'll get a. I guess we'll get if it, if it's a tie. I win with the Saints. Take the Saints plus one. The the Patriots are a complete disaster. Uh, Texans at the Falcons. I am hot on the on the Texans right now. I was the only one in the Bet Rivers picks that had the Texans uh, against the Steelers last week. I had them winning outright. I have them winning outright again this week. Atlanta has no quarterback. He stinks. C.J. Ritter's terrible. C.J. Stroud's awesome. I'm picking the Texans to win in Atlanta and go over five hundred. Let's go Texans plus one and a half. Beautiful. I think they win the game outright. I would. I, I'd even take uh, take the Texans on the money line. It's a little better. They're minus one ten with the spread, plus one hundred on the money line. You know, it's a little, little better odds, or a little better uh, payback, pay off, payback, pay off. Uh, Panthers at the Lions. Lions are a ten point favorite. Um, I get a little shaky about laying the 10 with the Lions. I don't like the fact that Amon Ross St. Brown may not play in this game. He's a little banged up. But, man, the, the Panthers are just hideous right there with the Bears and the Giants. I, 
Again, this is probably a stay away. I would not make this one of my best bets. If I had to pick, I'd lay the 10 with the Lions. Uh, give me the Colts at home. I know, I, you know, the Colts played a, uh, Titans played a great game last week. I'll give them credit. But I, I, I like the Colts better overall. Uh, I like the way they, they came back. They lost ultimately, but they had a nice comeback last week. They've been a feisty team. They they'll probably have Jonathan Taylor this week. Uh, I, you know, getting a point and a half at home against a team that's not that good. I'll take the Colts at home plus one and a half. All right. Four o'clock games. Eagles at the Rams. Eagles are a four and a half point favorite. The Rams, we talked about this earlier in the week, have been a surprisingly solid team. Uh, But the Rams ultimately don't have a home field advantage. So I look at this as more neutral side game. I I could see the Rams keeping it close in the end. I think the Eagles win by a touchdown. So I'll lay the four and a half with the Eagles in L.A. I think there'll be more Eagles fans than Rams fans at this game. Great game, I think, uh, Sunday at 425. The Vikings getting four at home against the Chiefs. I like the Vikings in this one. I, this is, to me, is like I talked about the Bills and um, the Jags. I expect that to be a close game, field goal game. I expect the same thing here. I think Chiefs and Vikings will be a field goal game. And the Vikings are getting four at home. I know they're one and three. They haven't, their defense has struggled, but the Chiefs offense has been a little up and down. They'll, they'll, the Chiefs offense will find its way completely by the time we get to this when it matters. But early in the year, they've been a little up and down, and the Vikings can score. We know that. Chiefs defense has been pretty good, but the off, Vikings can score. I look for this to be a close game. I'll take the Vikings plus four at home. This game is awful. Uh, probably one of the few games I won't watch much of Sunday at 425. You know, I got the Chiefs-Vikings to watch at 4 o'clock. I got the Bengals-Cardinals, and I got the Eagles-Rams. Uh, I'm not going to watch much of the Jets and Broncos. It's a terrible game. It's a hard one to pick. I don't like either team. Both teams played a lot better last week. Broncos, though, had to come back down 21 to an awful Bears team to win. Jets hung in there with the Chiefs. The game's in Denver, so I'll take the Broncos. I'll lay the one and a half. I hate both teams. We'll save the Monday nighter for next week. Finally, the Sunday night game, Cowboys at the 49ers. The Niners are a three and a half point favorite. Cowboys are a good football team. The Niners are a better football team. They're at home. Certainly, there'll be some Cowboy fans there, but it's not the LA. The Niners have their fans too. I'll lay the three and a half with the Niners. Although it wouldn't shock me if uh, I end up losing that by a half point. But uh, I, right now, to me, the Niners are the best team in football. Uh, I'll take the Niners and I'll lay the three and a half. Those are the picks uh, for week number five. Thanks to Max Gotro filling in for Monzo today, producing. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. I'll talk to you next time. Where else but right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. See ya. Thanks for listening to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.